And so, uh, so far in the class, we've laid the, the biblical groundwork. We've talked through world religions. We've talked through um, God's world. God, you know, looking at it from God's word as, as the foundation of, uh, of as missions. And then looked at God's world and all that, that he has created, all that he is doing in the world. Um, how he is drawing a people unto himself. And... And now we've been looking these past couple of weeks and into the next couple of God's work, looking at what, what are the ways that we as the church and as individuals can get involved in missions and can be involved. What are the different ways? So last week we talked about um, short-term mission trips, what that looks like, what the role is of short-term mission trips as, the, as it supports long-term missions. Um, again, with that ultimate goal of making disciples of all nations and, and gathering those disciples into churches. So how can short-term trips support to that end? And then, um, and then we also talked about sending. So sending both our resources, what it looks like to be givers, um, and then what it looks like to be givers of our people. You know, sending our best, sending people. Um, and so what it looks like to, to do that as well. And so, um, yeah, so then this week, what we're going to be looking at is what it looks like to be involved with cross-cultural evangelism and ministry here, where we're at. And so considering all that, that God has done to bring people of many tribes, tongues, and nations to our hometown, or to this town at least, um, and, and what it might look like for us to, to get involved. So we're going to be talking through a lot of practicals. And so I know that there's a lot of uh, experience and expertise in this room of what it looks like to engage uh, within missions and to do that here in our local context as well. And so, um, yeah, be ready to, to share along the way. Um, and so just like with every class, we start it with scriptural basis of getting involved what, what is that, um, yeah, what is the basis of our involvement um, and what is our motivation? So let's look at these passages. If, each, if somebody would uh, snag each one of these just for the sake of time, I'll start us. And then if somebody would grab Acts 1.8 and then Luke 10, actually, yeah, 10, 25 through 37. Um, so... Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's the Great Commission. It says, And Jesus came, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it's pretty foundational. We've talked about that verse a lot over the past uh, couple of months, but that, that is just a reminder that, that he has called us to make disciples of all nations. And like we, we mentioned a minute, minute ago, I mean, we're uh, able to see dozens, if not even more than that, uh, nations and peoples here locally. Um, for us to, to make disciples. Um, and then Acts 1.8. Would somebody read that? After Acts. Thanks, Wood. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Yes. And so, considering that, just remembering that Jesus himself really didn't travel that far from home. I mean, from the time he was born to the time that he died, he basically traveled like the similar distance from here to maybe Fort Smith. Mind you, that was pretty much all on foot. And so he didn't go all to the ends of the earth. But yet, when he commissioned, he recognized that, that his will and that the work that the Lord was doing is to move from here where we are, a little further, a little further, to the ends of the earth. So remember, we've talked also about that pantate ethne, all nations, um, recognizing that God has put priority on us taking the gospel to the places that it has not yet been known. 
And so there are many nations represented here again. And so, yeah, so one of those, one of those key principles is that where, where we're at here in Northwest Arkansas or Central Arkansas, we have to recognize that, um, that God has called us to have a mind for doing missions here where we're at and being focused on, on um, evangelism here and church planting here while also looking out beyond us as well. Um, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, it's been fascinating as a parent to teach my girls. It's like recognizing, you know, they might just always want to do family stuff, friends stuff, and there's times where they're thinking like, why, why do we spend so much time, or why do you spend so much time with people from our church, with other people? And so to teach them, even at this young age, that, that our goal is, yes, we we love our family, we love those people that are closest to us, and yet God has also called us to be a part of the church and to love even the nations beyond it. So, um, so yeah, that's just a good principle to keep in mind. And then Luke 10, 25 through 37. Can you read it? Thank you. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So, le so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Thank you. Yes, so Jesus is asked, uh, or Jesus asked that question, or he was asked, <laughs> who is my neighbor? Um, and, and Jesus highlighted uh, that is a story um, to, to show uh, what that what that might look like, and so it was the Samaritan who was the good the, the good neighbor, um, the the one who gave sacrificially of his time and of his resources um, to help someone that's completely different from himself, um, and so then Jesus followed that up with like, okay, now you go and do likewise. So, you know, the, you see that the priest, the Levite, were too busy. They had too much going on and did not stop to help. Mm -hmm. And so similarly, what does that look like for us to be mindful of those in need around us? You know, we have the privilege, the opportunity to be a church that's located across the street, basically from the University of Arkansas, where there's over a thousand uh, international students represented um, from maybe over a hundred different countries. And so what does that look like for us? Like, are we paying attention to the needs of those around us, specifically even spiritual needs? Like to recognize that there are people here with spiritual needs, recognizing that they have been separated from the Lord because of their own sin. And yet the gospel is there and we have it and we have the opportunity to share it. And so, are we too busy with all the things going on? Do we have too much, uh, too much taking place in our lives? Are we failing to see both the physical needs, like in that parable, and yet also the spiritual needs of those that are right in our midst? Um, and, and then just, yeah, just to consider uh, the, the idea for those of us that are considering what international missions might actually look like for us, just to consider, you know, what, what does that uh, look like? Are we, are we modeling now what we might be aspiring to do there? 
are we intentional with our time here in the same way that we would hope that we would be there? Um, so yeah, so the, the idea of, of that, um, that why, why did we get involved in this? Both is because of the scriptural commandments and imperatives, and yet also just recognizing um, the, the who and the opportunity uh, that's there. So when we think about that, like what, what are the opportunities we have? I mean, we're, we're surrounded, like I said, we've got hundreds or thousands of internationals in our midst, in our backyard, in, this, in, in our neighborhoods, in our city in Northwest Arkansas. So praise God again that, that he's put us here, that he's planted us here, um, and that he's seen fit to bring all of those nations to us. Um, if you guys remember, there was oh, the statistician, the missions guy that talked about, like, if you had five missionaries, where would you send them? India, 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 and China. Um, and so that's, you know, I've, I was impacted by that when I looked at the university's statistics on where are the international students here from? Number one, India. Number two, India. <laughs> India, India. And then number, tied for second, China, right? China and then Saudi Arabia. And so those are the three, you know, uh, of the most or the least reached uh, areas of this world. And yet we have hundreds from those countries here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, yeah, I mean, so they, it's estimated. I look, looked up some st stats about Northwest Arkansas and it's estimated that there's over 70 languages spoken in, in Northwest Arkansas. That was pretty mind blowing to me. Um, there's over 100 different countries represented at the U of A. I mean, those first three I mentioned were the top three. Um, and yet be below that, you've got Vietnam, Iran, Iraq, Bangladesh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all these different countries have sent their best and finest to the University of Arkansas to study and to have the opportunity for us to connect with them. Um, as well as, you know, the U.S. government seeing fit to uh, put, bring people here from other areas, refugees. We have a, a large number of refugees from Afghanistan, the Marshall Islands, et cetera. What other groups am I missing? I'm sure there's others. Anything else come to mind? I rattled off a lot, so maybe that covers it. But you can see, I mean, there's an extensive, I mean, when we think about the harvest being plentiful, the harvest is plentiful right here. And it's not just, you know, Fayetteians like myself, but uh, people from all over the world are, are here. South Asian population in Bentonville is growing incredibly mm. quickly. So it's not just at the U of A, but Walmart and other uh, companies are bringing folks from all over the world to work here. Yeah. So much so that Bentonville just announced that they're building the first um, like fully lit, fully maintained cricket pitch in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. will be uh, will be built in the new park in Bentonville yeah. this next year. It's in part because of such a large cricket playing South Asian population that's moved here. And that's incredible. Yeah. Fun fact, Amy and I, back in 2010, got to go spend some time in India. Mm -hmm. And we were at an orphanage, and like the very first day we were there, somebody got really sick and had to be taken to the hospital. So the translator, the only other person that spoke English, had to take this person to the hospital. And they were like, we'll be back sometime and they're like the hospital's five hours away and it was like oh, okay so when are you going to be back and they're like before too long you know I'm like oh, okay so literally it was like we were worthless I mean like, like let's we had the, the a great time just loving on kids we were at an or orphanage and boarding school and so every day when they get home from school we would we'd be playing cricket they taught us cricket you can still teach cricket even without being able to speak the same language. So 
That was random. But I'm excited about the cricket field. All that being said, that's yeah. really cool. Did they say when that was happening? Soon. Awesome. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. So, what are some other ways that we can get in touch with those students? We know that they're here. Well, not just students, but immigrants and um, other internationals that are that are here. Uh, what are what are some ways that we can can connect with them? Um, I mean, I can get us started. One of the the ways that I've seen is to just frequent restaurants and businesses and places where they're at. Um, I friends, I cousins, where we shop. What are some other areas that you guys would consider? Some of us are on a soccer team, like a citywide soccer team at UBC. Love that. And we wanted to make sure that it was all Matthew Berry leading it, but he wanted to make sure that the whole team was at UBC so that we could have people on our team who may not be believers. And so one of the guys, his name is Cena, and he's from Iran, mm. who's studying um, and getting his PhD. And so I know some of the guys have met up with him. Um, and so cricket or soccer or other sports. Awesome. It is just a just a reminder of, you know, our time is short. And even Cena is, you know, he'll be here for some probably specified amount of time. He might be getting his master's or PhD mm-hmm. studying here. So he's got maybe one, three, five years here. Um, I remember a time, you know, this was like a decade and a half ago when I was in college and uh, spending time with Todd Arend in the union and a friend of mine from Saudi Arabia came in and I kind of like said hey to him, we chatted for a little bit and he walked away and Todd was like, so where's he from? I was like, Saudi Arabia. And he was like, fascinating. He was like, you know, what are the chances, what are the chances of him hearing the gospel when he moves back to Saudi Arabia? He was like, zero. Like, he will not hear the gospel again. Like, he won't have the opportunity because of the, you know, you just look at the, the percentages and his chances of hearing the gospel in Saudi Arabia are practically zero. And so our time is short. And so again, not, not a guilt trip, but just to highlight the opportunity and that our time is short. So it's great to utilize stuff like that with, uh, with Sina and others like him. So yeah, so looking at, at, again, the possibilities, considering what God might do. Um, it's, it's pretty fascinating to even just realize another statistic uh, of, of international students. The vast majority, the overwhelming majority of them, when they get here, the last statistic that I heard uh, was 95% of them are never invited into an American's home. I mean, even if we're generous. Which I actually was about to say, like, you can literally, um, I mean, pointing back to, like, the Luke 10 passage, for yeah. example, like, um, obviously there are areas in Fayetteville where um, internationals will um, be in the lot, or apartment complexes that will have yes. students to begin with. So, literally, Asking for help to just offer any help in any sort of area that's just maybe just as little as like moving stuff in, for instance. Or, mm-hmm. You know, when August comes, for example, when their lease starts mm-hmm. and they're moving stuff in, you kind of notice that and you're like, hey, like, I can offer to help. Mm-hmm. That's a good stepping stone to getting to know internationals. Or, so true. Yeah. So, so true. There's a good ministry called Furniture Friends, mm-hmm. and that they provide furniture to low international students who are mm-hmm. moving in. to just 
believers to read the Bible and bring to church and invite into homes so that they can see the gospel or see here and believe the gospel. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, the bridges. Is that, that, that's primarily focused on college students, connecting them with other college students, or would a room like ours with a little bit more diversity than college Um, Well, we've kind of, I mean, yes, primarily college students, but we've kind of extended it as well to, like, we, we have some, we have, like, a few, like, non-students as well, just because, like, they've had connections with, like, some of their friends or, like, even, like, grad students, for example, some of them, a few of them may have, like, family. It's quite interesting, um, but you know, it's 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 really cool just to kind of be able to extend that to, to others as well. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, so considering getting involved with ministries like that is absolutely fantastic, and um, and when we are getting to meet them, just considering further possibilities of just realizing um, that that most. Of those, especially those from the 1040 window type area, the vast majority of them will not know what the gospel is, if they even know who Jesus is. And then if they have an idea, you know, it's really common specifically among Islamic cultures to just assume um, that Christianity is what they see in American TV. Like, yep. All the movies, all the TV shows, all the musicians, all the pop stars, that's Christianity to them. And so to be able to, to be an influence to show what true Christianity looks like is incredible. Um, I've, you know, I've even talked to a friend of mine from, uh, who was pretty knowledgeable about Christianity, and yet you know, he's from Pakistan and he thought that the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Mother. And you go, mm, no, mm-mm, nope, Mary's not, not in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And yet, that was his belief. And he was like, that was his understanding. Um, so yeah, it's a, that's an opportunity for us to, to show what, what the gospel truly looks like, sharing that with them again so that they might have the opportunity to believe. Um, another thing that's pretty cool to, to consider is just the, the recognition that um, a lot of the students that are here, specifically looking at international students, a lot of them um, are kind of the best and brightest of their, of their communities and will likely go back into leadership roles. Um, I actually had a friend of mine uh, years ago um, was a devout Muslim from Mauritania. Mm-hmm. He, you know, you know, Hussein. And he, um, yeah, he came back. When, when I asked him, like, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? His answer was, I want to be the president of Mauritania. <laughs> no kidding. You know, and, and then, like, you know, I had the opportunity to teach him how to drive, which was really fun. And he was like, yeah, I've never driven a car before. And so this is pretty amazing. Where I'm from, if I had enough money to buy a car, we wouldn't buy a car. We would just buy more sheep. Like that's, you know. Um, and yet he, he was here as incredibly smart dude um, and had the aspirations of going back to Mauritania to become the president of his country, which I think I mentioned it. I mean, it's like one of the most persecuted countries in the world. It's a predominantly Islamic country. And um, yeah, long story short, Hussein actually became a believer here Mm -hmm. in the States. And so pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Along those lines, the former president of Panama got his master's degree there. Yeah, so that that explains why there's a lot of I remember a couple years ago, a 
who's still president. He threw out the first pitch for his record. And I was yeah. there and I was like, Hold up. And then they were like, Yeah, he, he got his masters here. And uh, and so then that kinda came to all those dots, like mm-hmm. yeah. We literally have it's not just like a theoretical, like a Hussein hasn't become the president of Marte right. yet. Yet, yeah, yeah. time will tell. But he, he now works for Walmart last I checked. Uh, <laughs> but things like that really do happen. The international students really do come here and then go home and have incredible influence in their countries. Yeah. Very nice. We, uh, um, we've had a session <laughs> I mean, she knew we loved her. That's right. Yeah, we, we, we cared for her, you know, and we, we developed a good relationship. But as far as how we shared our faith and everything, uh, it was just a wrong approach for us. Mm-hmm. So part of our lesson was we needed to do our research and do mm-hmm. and study and understand, you know, uh, how to, how to, how, how to share our faith in such a way that will lead them to Christ and not run away from the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something we'll get more into is just the contextualization of the conversations. Because, um, you know, people will come from different cultures and it's really important to actually have, I mean, research ultimately understanding the, the culture right. of, of whoever you're talking to before. Yeah. And that's how you Well, let's, let's jump in to, I mean, we've already covered a lot of even what we'll be going over in uh, the rest of the class, but um, yeah, just to, just to jump into further practicals of what it looks like to get started, to start reaching out to internationals, befriending them, etc. cetera. Um, so one of the, the first things that I would, would encourage you is to um, kind of creating part of your triangle, like the, pla- the most frequent places that you go, uh, bringing those into um, your habits of prioritizing places where you have the opportunity to befriend and to cross paths with internationals. Um, so may- that may be you know, going to the same restaurant repeatedly where you might, you, know, you might be able to eat at all the Thai restaurants in the entire city or region and it would take you months to to go to each one of them right and yet okay that might be a stretch maybe (laughs) 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 but how often you go yeah but there are a lot of thai restaurants in the area and yet you could go to each one of them because they're all different they're all distinct there's pros and cons about each one and yet you realize like what if instead I just went to the same one where I could meet the same employees, the same owners, the same people that I can cross paths with and build relationships with, what, what might that look like if you could get to know their name, get to know their background, get to know where they're from, get to start as engaging them to or the point few, that... Learn a few words in Thai as well. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Good That's great. Maybe it's uh, where you're getting your hair cut, mm-hmm. going to the same line at the grocery store, maybe picking a smaller grocery store that's a little bit more community-centric so that you know that you're going to be more likely to mm-hmm. see the same people. I think one of the things on this is like, consider that it might cost you a little more. Mm. Like, so you might like choose to go to a smaller grocery store and mm. you're going to pay a noticeable percentage more for all your groceries. But in the long run, it's a few dollars 
gets gas at tiny little gas stations um, and never goes to big like chain ones because he's more likely to meet the owners of small mom and pop yeah, gas stations, awesome. which might oftentimes be folks from overseas. That's and awesome. so he knows it's going to cost him like 10, 15 cents more per gallon, which adds up, especially over the course of a year. But percentage-wise, it's not that big of a cost compared to the opportunity to regularly meet with someone. And he does things like doesn't pay at the pump and goes in. So it's going to cost him time and other things. But like a little change like that mm-hmm. could give you a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I mean, there's some, some cool opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Anybody have any other stories of, of doing that? Yeah, Arkansas Tech has a uh, international department, and so we've been. Our church has been involved with you know. So we meet on Friday nights, have mm-hmm. supper with them, adopt the students. So the one who's telling you that Lena's from Egypt that we've kept up with, and she's a Fulbright scholar, graduate student, getting ready to come back and work part time with the UN in New York City. Wow. So we're we're still hoping for the connections yes. there. But another one was from Nepal, uh, an engineering student who came. And he couldn't stay in Arkansas Tech because you can't live off campus and they didn't have enough money. So he's down at McNeese State mm-hmm. in Louisiana with a group of guys working at the gas station because they can all work 70, 80 hours a week yeah. in cash and not report it. And so sure. he's there. But talk about the people that he's getting to know that come in regularly. Mm-hmm. And I keep praying it's you know, some Christian people that are you know, nice and kind. Yeah. But it's a, it's a small, you know, off off-chain. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Moving on, we'll, let's talk about, uh, yeah, just the idea of leaving room in your schedule to meet international students or internationals in general. Um, one of the, I mean, it's similar to that Luke, Luke 10 passage of just recognizing, like, who had time, who had capacity in their schedule? Um, how often is it that you might you know, run into somebody, and yet you just don't have time to stop and talk. Um, so if you're at a coffee shop, go a little earlier than you intended, stay, you know, give yourself some flex time that you might be able to run into somebody and, and sit and chat for a little while, not, not be too hurried, things of that nature. Um, right size your expectations. Uh, don't expect every single relationship that you build to, to go super deep. Um, that's kind of in the same line of thinking of like don't treat people like projects um, that, that we just have to recognize that we're going to lo- have the opportunity to love a lot of people some of those relationships will get to go a lot deeper than others and so not to just hold yourself like to this high pressure of like every single conversation has to be able to get all the way to the gospel all the way you know it may just be that you're helping move somebody into their apartment. And maybe you're not the one that gets to build the deeper relationship, but they at least get to see your love and care. Um, But always hoping with that ultimate goal that you do have that opportunity and privilege, but but not to burden yourself down with that. So just having good expectations. Yeah, I mean, it's just in, in in the lines of like treating students as projects, I think that's something I mean, especially international students that maybe some of them have heard about, like, it's like some, maybe some Christian, for example, will take them in and will kind of, just for the sole purpose of, like, sharing with them the gospel and then when, like, the student, like, responds and based on, you know, their current belief and they sort of just reject the gospel and just kind of, kind of turn away from them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that they're very cautious of. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of continuing to be Can I interject a infomercial here? <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> Let's uh, if you would like to practice engaging people that you're not familiar talking to, uh, come with me or look in your church directory and pick out a homebound member mm-hmm. and just go to whichever nursing home or home they're in. Some of the most neglected people, although they may be Christians, but 
marginalized. People yeah. that don't get to sit and talk to somebody about the gospel much anymore. They don't go to church anymore. They may watch them on TV. But you can go with them, and, I mean, go to them and visit with them and just say, hi, how are you doing today? Is there anything I can pray with you about? And it can lead into conversations that can carry over into later talking to whoever. So yes, you're welcome to ask me, who can I go to and I'll Thanks, Jack. Thank you. You know, I was thinking about the Good Samaritan passage and think about ministering to the, the individual in the need, but the example he set to those that he, you know, the innkeeper and those mm. of his faith is something, sometimes we neglect that, that when we're ministering to somebody, we're also setting a Christ-like example to others. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and sometimes that can go as far as, or even further in an opportunity than just the specific, you know, acting like it's a project or something. But if we're, our, our ministry of being Christ-like to people uh, shows in other ways. That's awesome. Great, great point. We're actually going to cover that in a little bit. Great one. Next is, is just the idea of being open and honest about uh, your faults, your sins, to be able to do that. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second as well, but just that same idea. I mean, we can connect that with uh, G, of don't be afraid to talk about Jesus. But the idea of showing humility, um, the idea of being willing to share your faults and highlight you know, what we've talked about in this class, the primary differentiation of Christianity versus all other world religions summed up in one word is grace. And so the idea of, of grace, don't, don't be afraid to, to share that. Oftentimes we have this fear of, of like we have to show only perfection, only holiness, only goodness when, when we recognize that we are all sinners and uh, Christianity we're not perfect. Um, and so to be able to, to humble yourself before them in that way to share and to be open is really great. Um, if you can, introduce them to your family, to your church, your friends. It's a fantastic opportunity um, just to know. Uh, you know, you might not always know the right foods. Obviously, that's an opportunity to, to study, you know, if you're going to bring them into your house to know what they can and can't eat or will or won't eat, things of that nature. But um, just do your best to unfold them, um, to just kind of bring them into uh, your normal life. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about that in a minute as well. But then, yeah, just show a willingness to learn about them. Ask a ton of questions. Look, look at it as a, a you know, be an interested person. Um, generally, they said that interesting people are interested people. And so look at uh, just the opportunity to learn more about their culture, learn, ask them tons of questions about where they're from. I mean, it's amazing just the different times where I've thought, oh, I know about Saudi Arabia. And then to start asking questions like, oh, where are you from? Oh, that's not like the other friend of mine that where they're from. You're from a very different type of Saudi Arabia. Or um, tell me about your family. Tell me about your, you know, what it was like growing up in your community. Um, yeah. And then one is just to beware. I mean, this is a, more of a warning than, than an encouragement. But just beware of heated debates. Even though you might watch YouTube videos of, of debates and think it looks really fun and exciting, it's rarely all that useful and profitable when it comes to evangelism. Um, you want, obviously you want to be able to engage in questions and if there are questions, ask those questions. But usually when it starts to get heated, it's gonna be more discouraging than anything else. And it's going to, um, you know, depending on the culture, there are some honor shame cultures that's like, I can't lose this for my honor's sake. I'm not going to lose. And so you realize like, you're both just gonna be digging your trenches and it's not going to be built 
a relationship that's really built on love. It's going to be just more of like the whole purpose of this relationship is just for us to come to theological debates. Um, so beware of that. Um, you know, seek to answer questions. Don't ignore that, but but try to get to the root um, where it's just going to be a perpetual fight. Very few people come to Christ after one conversation. Mm. Even if you grew up, especially if you grew up in a Christian home and you came to Christ there, you had hundreds or thousands of gospel conversations before it clicked and Christ saved you. And so when we, anytime in any kind of evangelism, we assume that if we do, if we just really nail one conversation, particularly the first conversation, that that we're going to like see them come to Christ in that one conversation. It's just a really misguided understanding of how that really often works uh, the vast, vast majority of the time. So we're always thinking, not like, well, I'm going to not present the gospel now because I'm waiting for another opportunity to come later in another conversation. No, I'm going to present the gospel now and later and again and again and again, but in such a way that we get to continue to have those conversations because we expect it's going to take lots and lots of conversations. One thing I noticed at the university is when you make religion a topic that's normal to talk about, mm -hmm. they don't notice. Like you ask, what do you, what does your country believe in? What do most people, how are most people religious in your country? Then you can talk about your experience here in America as well. But, uh, I think in America, a lot of, like the majority culture gets a little awkward around mm -hmm. religious talks. Mm -hmm. But if you pretend like that's not a thing, then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just to recognize that it's not so. really a thing. Like it, it, yeah, it's it more be, awkward yeah. here than yeah. it is yeah. in a lot of yeah. the rest of the world. Yeah, it's a great point, great point. Yeah, don't project what we feel like is awkward on the rest of cultures. That's a great point. Anything else? Any other strategies or practicals that, that we could implement to get started? You talked about like leaving room in your schedule. I'd encourage also think about how to leave, how to do it in such a way that it leaves room in their schedule. So like if you do the, I'm going to go to one Thai restaurant rather than all the Thai restaurants, then maybe also go at like 1.30 or 2 o'clock rather than do yeah. because if you're one of their most frequent customers but during their busiest time you, they may really be glad that you're there but they have no uh, bandwidth to, to get to know you so it's going to require you maybe again to eat at a meal time that's not your normal preference mm -hmm. but with a, a much higher goal than that such a great great idea thanks anything else Okay, well, moving on, let's, let's talk about what it looks like to reach out as a church, um, to, to uh, yeah, to recognize that this isn't something that we have to do alone. This isn't something that, that uh, God has, you know, God has provided us with a church um, to, to minister alongside of. Um, and so let's look at what it, that looks like. And so I think that a, an easy way of, of getting started is to be, um, to, to get to know other members from different backgrounds and different cultures. Um, I think that that's just an easy way of starting to understand. I mean, like we said a minute ago, like learning what it looks like to contextualize. Like, you know, if you have different people from different cultures, do you, what do you eat? How should you eat? Um, you know, should you wear shoes in, in their house or not? I mean, all sorts of different things that we can learn, um, that we can actually learn from others in our own, in our own church body along the way. Um, another would be to uh, allow yourself to be discipled and just to seek opportunities of like, when you see people that have done this faithfully, that know, that seem to know what they're doing, jump in and, and learn from them. I mean, it's like, I mean, we've already found out that there are a couple in this group already that are, are regularly involved with international mi ministries. And so what does it look like to just say, hey, will you call me the next time you're going to do this? Um, or can I join that soccer team or whatever it might be? Um, 
just start to build that into your uh, into your rhythms. Um, Kellen talked about this earlier, just the idea of like of getting getting members of the opposite gender involved. There are times when it may or may not be uh, okay for men and women of, of that of different cultures to uh, build that, those kinds of deep relationships. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, dude from Iran, probably Kellen is not the right person to be building that level of, of depth in the relationship. So it's great that there's those guys on the team. Um, I remember a time that I had made a friendship with a guy um, in, uh, out of the mosque here in Fayetteville. And I found out, oh, wait, your daughter is friends with my wife. Cool small world. I should tell him, and this will help connect us, right? No. I told him, like, just trying to be friendly, like, hey, you know what I just found out? Your daughter is a good friend of my wife's. And he was like, literally like pushed me back and was like, um, I understand that things might be different here in your culture, but in my culture, you don't talk about my daughters. And it was like, whoa, okay, bro. It's just, and so I found out after that, after I made that big mistake, talking to my, some of my other friends, and they're like, oh yeah, I don't know any of my friends' sisters. I don't know how many they have. I don't know if they have sisters. We don't talk about it. Like, they don't, and so just to realize that, it's like, so that is really intentional. So to be mindful of that type of thing when you're doing cross-cultural ministry and evangelism is really key. So yeah, so bring, bring um, opposite genders in when necessary. Um, and yeah, and then, and then just be, being mindful and just involve others in general, not to, to do this lone wolf style, but but really to do this in community and see what it looks like to bring your community. If you're going to invite somebody over for dinner, invite another church member over as well just to, to do that in community. And they have the opportunity to, to see what that looks like. Um, yeah, I was encouraged. There was a couple of different examples, but one, you know, Sam Connect, Brock Daniels, and I invited another dude over to hang out. And even though I might think that I'm about the same age as Sam or Brock, you know, decade, decade and a half removed, they, uh, this guy from um, Jordan was like blown away. He was like, this does not happen in, in our community, in our culture. Like for, like you would only ever spend time with people that are in your same age demographic. Like, you would never, you would never shame yourself so much to spend time with me. You know, he's sitting there, it's like an 18 or 19 year old, and I'm in my 30s. And he's like, no, this is dishonoring for you to be spending time with me, let alone these guys. And so for us to be able to highlight, like, our unity is in Christ, not, you know, and so that was just a really cool pre present picture to show. Um, in that example, so uh, yeah, get get uh, others to pray for you when you're when you're spending time when you're going to an event, um, if you're going to help with furniture friends or with bridges or whatever it might be. Let others know. Let others know what you're doing so that they can pray for you. All right. Yeah, looking at how we can equip ourselves for this ministry. The first thing that I would just encourage us, uh, encourage us with is just knowing the gospel, um, being encouraged by it. Um, Romans 1.16 says, for I, well, I'll just look it up. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, just that idea of knowing the gospel um, and, and being proud of it, not being ashamed of it. 
Additionally, yeah, would somebody mind reading uh, Revelation 7, 9? And just, just having that idea, building that into your recognition of knowing that this is God's vision. This is where God is heading um, with, his, with his work. Just to, uh, just to recognize that, that even when we might be discouraged, that, some, that this particular relationship might not be going well, or that, that we might be struggling to, to get inroads, it's cool to recognize that God's already told us the ending, that there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation at that last day. And so let that to be an encouragement to us as we're seeking those relationships and as we're developing those um, with that end in mind. And so have that as part one of just an encouragement and yet also an inspiration. You know, God, God has this plan and he's doing this work and we have the opportunity to be a part of it, to be used by him. Um, yeah, then just reading into the international news, talking about the news to realize that oftentimes international news that might seem really far away from you might be like at the heart level root core of what's going on in the life of your friend from that country. They might have family or relatives that are directly impacted by the things that you're just seeing in the news. Um, if you're thinking about spending time with somebody you know, from the Uyghur people group of China and you're reading about um, the horrific things happening to the Uyghur people in China, you have to realize that, okay, well, if I'm talking to somebody right here in front of me, this really impacts their world. They, they have friends and family and um, relationships with people that are being um, persecuted in that, in that uh, community. So just, just to keep yourself up to date with the news. Yeah, continue learning, studying about your friends' culture, their religion. Um, could be an opportunity to build that into your relationships with uh, different missionaries. If you know missionaries in that culture or people that are more familiar with that culture, get to know them. Obviously, we have the internet to study a whole host of things um, about, about their culture and get to know them all the more. Um, so, yeah. What, what are some, we've talked about opportunities, but just wanted to, to give us one more opportunity just to highlight that. I know we've, again, we've already gone through a bunch, but anything else when we think through opportunities? That's awesome. Thanks. Well, I mean, I, going back to the definition we said of missions that we started with in the class, you know, so missions is, a, is evangelism that takes place across cultural, linguistic, geographic boundaries. 
disciples um, and to gather them into churches. Um, and so that's that's the kind of holy orange is what we're trying to do. Not so it's not it, it's not just evangelism, but it has to start there. I think like a lot of conversations we have here start with how do we even get that conversation started? How do we do that evangelism? But it's also with that longer runway in mind of like, okay, then how are we also making them disciples? Mm-hmm. And, helping them to understand the role of the church in such a way that when they go back home, they, even if there aren't those there, they're able to start those or to recognize the need for them or the, all the kind of multi-org ways in which we're making them um, disciples of Christ, not just folks who have heard the gospel and responded. That's awesome. Great. Excuse me, another thought I had was if, if your folks know a people group or something like that, you may want to get a, a Bible that's translated. Mm. Uh, I've got like a Portuguese English New Testament. That it's you know something that if you're going to sit down with them and say, let me show you you know some things from from what I've studied and stuff like that, and then let them see it in their uh, native language. It's, it's a good thought too. That's absolutely right. That's awesome. So that's another thought. You guys it's uh it's encouraging just to again just to think about those possibilities just to recognize that the great commission uh is very multifaceted and there's a lot of different roles to be played uh with regards to making disciples of all nations um and this is a really cool way that we can take part of it even uh even while we're here um in arkansas um so yeah it's it's not easy there's takes uh, a cost to be counted, but it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, next, we're going to highlight our mission, uh, our missionary biography, just to um, encourage us and to further spur us on. Um, and then I'm going to share about uh, the country of Saudi Arabia, um, and, then, and then we'll close in prayer. Uh, when it comes time to close in prayer... Uh, Kellen, would you mind praying just with the class and then for Saudi Arabia? Awesome, thank you. Um, yeah, the, the, the person I w- wanted to highlight is, is a couple that's the uh, president and, and, um, and one of the teachers there at Radius International, uh, Brooks and Nina Buser. Um, I was just thinking about them this past week and just thinking of you know, them as a modern-day Biography that we could tell is just to recognize that um, it was actually Brooks's parents, Brad and Beth, that first went to Papua New Guinea to see a church planted, and they spent maybe 15 to 20 years, I can't remember exactly, in a tribe, uh, the Itedi people, in uh, Papua New Guinea, a people that had never had heard the gospel, did not have scripture in their language, in fact, didn't even have a written language. And so the, uh, Brad and Beth went there and raised their kids among the Atetis and then came back. Uh, so Brooks came back, went to college, um, got married, and he and his wife worked a couple of years, paid off school debt and things like that, and then just recognized, what are we doing with our future? And they would say they didn't ever feel this like deep, passionate pull or calling or anything on their life. They were... Uh, encouraged by, by Romans 10, 13 through 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
How then will they call on him whom they have not heard or believed? And how will they uh, believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Um, and then, um, yeah. And so they just recognized this is God's work. This is the work he's doing, and we can be a part of it. So let's do it. And so they then signed up and went as well with new tribes. Um, that is what it was called back then. Um, and they spent 13 years among the Yembe Yembe people, going, moving into their, this tribe, kind of being adopted into the families, um, building their own house, learning the language, translating scripture, um, teaching very faithfully through it. actually had the opportunity to see a church planted there. Um, so they obviously still stay connected, and it's amazing. Um, this, this quote, do we have time? I will not read it right now because we don't have time. But I highly recommend you read that quote from Brooks. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, for Saudi, Saudi Arabia, just recognizing that, uh, that that's the heart of Islam. I mean, Islam was created in Saudi Arabia. They're very proud of that, obviously. Um, and so the, the primary religion is Islam. The, the fact that that's not 99.9% is only because of refugees that they uh, allow to live there. Um, Mecca, actually, is a Muslims-only city. Uh, and so actually on the exit ramps, like the signs for Mecca, I've seen the pictures that friends have taken that says, Exit, Mecca, and in parentheses, Muslims only. I mean, like, that's no, no joke, right? Mm -hmm. And so obviously we'll see, you know, time will tell what that really looks like. But yeah, just to be, to be mindful of that. And today is the last day of Ramadan. Um, today they believe, you know, their prayers are more powerful for good works. Um, their prayers are more powerful. They believe that they're more likely to, to meet God today um, and to hear from God. And so to recognize that and to pray that the one true God would reveal himself, I think would be really powerful to pray for them today. Okay, we'll close. And uh, yeah, thanks for letting me hang out with you guys today. Thank you for this timeline that we have just come together um, to just talk about, um, yeah, the people that you love, Lord, just as we sit here and think about um, all those that we've shared the gospel with and the love that we feel for them, that we're just reminded that you love and care for them more than we ever could, Lord, that you care more about um, these people's salvation than we ever could, Lord, and so may we find comfort and peace in that, um, that we know that we're laboring alongside you, Lord, um, and just continue to see that as a gift and a blessing that we get to work alongside you. Um, that is not a task, but um, just something that you allow us to do, Lord. Um, I just want to pray specifically for the nation of Saudi Arabia, Lord, just as, um, yeah, as Michael shared that the heart of where um, Islam was born, Lord, we just pray for, um, yeah, those who you're calling to serve there, Lord, we just pray that uh, that doesn't scare them, that uh, it's not overwhelming or um, an impossible task because they know that you are on their side, Lord. We pray that um, for yeah, just all who are considering missionary work internationally, that you, um, yeah, they continue to look to you for their support and strength and comfort, mm -hmm. that they don't look to the statistics of the world um, or to the fears of this world, Lord, but trust that um, you are greater than all of that. Um, just as tonight is the last night of Ramadan, Lord, we just pray that those who are celebrating will feel the hollowness of this holiday, um, mm -hmm. that they will just, um, yeah, that they not only feel the hollowness of this, but that they can sense and feel and are shared uh, just the strength of you, Lord, and the power of the true gospel and the true God, um, just that those who are around them can be bold to share um, the true gospel and won't be um, afraid of, yeah, just fear of man, Lord, and so just pray that as this holiday comes to an end, um, we won't see this as an end to opportunities to share with them, but just an increase, um, yeah, of time that we continue to share with them, Lord, just thankful for this class that we continue to just highlight on all the ways um, that we can continue to share the Great Commission and spread the gospel, Lord. Pray that this isn't the only time we're thinking about it throughout mm -hmm. the week. 
but that this is just giving us more opportunities to be in the forefront of our minds so we can continue to share the gospel. And so, once again, just pray for the Christians that are in Saudi Arabia, that today they're just um, encouraged to know that others around um, the world are praying for them, mm -hmm. and just that we will continue, um, yeah, once we leave this room, that our prayers won't cease, our thoughts, um, and just our actions will just continue to be motivated um, towards bringing you glory, Lord, and all God's people say. Amen. Amen. Thank you.